We're in Philippians chapter 2. Follow along with me, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a good passage, right? Now, if, if you're new and maybe you, this is, there's some words in here that could be a little confusing, I promise I'm going to explain those things. But um, this, this book of the Bible, uh, if you had to give it a theme, a lot, a lot of people uh, would, would give it a one-word theme of joy. Uh, the idea that you can rejoice or you can still continue forward in difficult times. Some would theme this book contentment. Uh, and, and the reason being is that in this book, Paul is writing in prison. He has been in prison for preaching. He, he is there and he's telling the church, he's like, listen, I'm in prison, uh, but, but don't be so disappointed because actually the gospel is going further because I'm in prison. I, I, I'm experiencing this persecution and other people, uh, he talks about they're more confident because of my bonds or because I'm in prison. He's talking about this, but he's going through and he's, he's just teaching them trying to encourage them to continue following Jesus while he's there in prison. And uh, this is like the main section of this whole uh, four chapters, this letter. Uh, this is like the main emphasis is that he's calling them to think the same way. He's saying there is something that you need to unify on. There's something that you need, uh, a way to live. It's an example that Jesus gives us. And it's this mindset uh, that we are learning to think like Jesus where we place others over ourselves, And so I want to look at this here, and I am curious on Wednesday night, is anyone in here willing to admit that you are a selfish, self-centered, self-serving person? Raise your hand. Proudly. Yeah? Thank you. Listen, I am teaching from the position of a human, of somebody who is selfish. I, I like things the way I like things. Uh, I, I like when, when I go out to order. Um, I don't usually go to Burger King, but I love their slow. This, uh, this BK, naturally, we want 
ourselves to be comfortable. We want life to treat us. It's so we want to have things the way we want it. We want to have it our way. Uh, but in this passage, uh, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's so countercultural. We're going to see like he, he gives us a whole nother way of living. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, what does that mean? I'll explain. If there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. So he's like uh, putting some conditions here. And it's not really to say that these things don't exist. He's saying because they do exist, obviously, here. Consolation in Christ. Uh, the word consolation is another word just means encouragement from Christ. Is there, is there some sort of encouragement that Christ is giving you in your life? Well, of course there is. He says comfort of love. Does, when, when you love one another, when somebody shows love for you and you show love spirit, the idea, comfort in that. Isn't there a bond that the Holy Spirit brings you together? Of course there is. And we have that here, you know. Uh, you know, we have a lot of things that could divide us from what we like to spend our time on to what kind of cars we like to, you know, all kinds of stuff that would divide us. But man, the, the Holy Spirit has this ability because he lives inside of each of us to bring us together. There's a unity of the Spirit, a fellowship uh, that's produced by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if there be any bowels and mercies. Uh, bowels, that sounds gross. But um, it's like, what is that? This, whenever you see bowels, and especially this King James Version, the idea is it's talking about your inside feelings or other. He's saying, if these things exist, it's comforting. Jesus Christ is encouraging you in your life. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This is the Apostle Paul asking this church to live a certain way. He says, fulfill ye my joy. Um, it's, it's kind of like a, a parent speaking to their kids. Hey, it'd be really ha- I'd make me so happy if you would just, and then he's explaining. That's the idea. Fulfill my joy. Hey, as, as the, the person who maybe led these people to Christ, somebody who's a, a mentor or a spiritual leader, he's saying, do this thing and do it. This would really bring me joy. He says that ye be like-minded. Like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Um, in this passage, the main thing that you're going to learn is that there's a different way to think. Uh, he talks about being like-minded. Uh, some of you. Uh, sushi. Sushi, that's like fish on rice. Delicious. Um, sort of mindset that every one of you don't have, have and he's going to outline that. Be like-minded. He says to have the same love. There's this shared care for one another that's, that he's going to teach about, that Christ shows us how to live. Have the same love. Be of one accord, of one mind. Uh, and I, I love, um, we have a great thing going here that people don't have out in the world. When we talk about family on Sunday and we talk about family, uh, the church's family, that's what he's talking about here. There is to be a care for one another. Uh, a love for one another. He's saying, if there's one mindset that you all have, it should be the mindset as I'm going to care for others above caring for myself. And he's going to explain so clearly this example of Jesus. He says, be like-minded. Think this way. Love the same way. Agree on this thing here. All right, let's look in verse number three. He says, let, say that next word with me. Nothing. Nothing. Let nothing. What does nothing mean? Nothing. 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 
It's so like all-encompassing. Nada. Not a thing. Let nothing that you do be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Uh, here's, here's the first point on your paper here. Uh, this is the first point. Is he, he points out that we are, does anyone want to guess it? Nah. Selfish. We are selfish people. Just say it out loud. I am selfish. I am selfish. See, you told the truth today, all right? Told the truth today. We are. We're selfish people. We're so, that's, that's the reason why we have problems in our home and our family and problems come up. This, this strife is because we, we want things our way and we're selfish and we, we marry selfish people, husbands and wives, and then we have kids that are selfish and they want everything the way they want it. And we go to church with people that want the temperature the way they want it. They want people to dress the way they want it. People want the music to be the way they want it. They're all selfish. Everyone here is, they all want. But that's why there's this, this teaching right here. Be of the same mind. There, there's a, naturally, we're selfish people. And that's why he encourages, let nothing be done through, this first thing he says is strife. Let nothing be done through strife. That word means a spirit of contention or fighting. Uh, your, your motives and what you do matter, okay? Um, you could try to do something even religious or what might seem godly. Uh, you, could, you could do something, but if you're doing it in the spirit of, of strife, meaning I'm, I'm trying to be better than somebody else. I'm trying to compete with them. I, I want to be contentious with them. Um, the Bible says, do nothing through strife. Uh, one commentary says, how often, even in the plans of benevolence, trying to do good, and in the cause of virtue and religion, is the secret aim, talking about our hearts, the secret aim to outdo others. This is all wrong. There is no holiness in such efforts. Never once did the Redeemer act from such a motive, and never once should this motive be allowed to influence us. And he, he's going to give this contrary. He says, let nothing be done through strife. If you are proceeding forward in life just fighting, or you, maybe the action is simply fighting, don't, don't do that. He says, no, nothing be done through strife, secondly, or vain glory. Vainglory. This means selfish attention. Selfish attention. Don't do things just so people can look at you and notice you do things. Okay? Uh, don't do good things so people can notice you that you're doing good things. The, it's, it's the motive that matters. It's the idea um, that, that we don't want to be self-promoting. It's, it, this idea of vainglory is a desire to honor ourselves, to attract attention to ourselves, to win praise to ourselves, to make ourselves um, the, the foremost or the main object of whatever it is we're doing. Uh, life is not about me. That's a statement I had somebody tell me one time, and they said, you should repeat that. Life is not about me. Life is not about me. And uh, that's the truth. Life is not about you. Uh, it's, you're not the center of, of everything. That's a good reminder, isn't it? Sometimes we proceed forward in life like it's all about us. Our schedule is about us, and what everyone has going on is there to serve us. Number one here is we are selfish people. Uh, this, this point here, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, is addressing the fact that we all have a sinful nature inside of us. 
And we, we can't forget that. Um, we have to remember that every day we fight this battle. There's a, a battle that's going in, in, inside of us, the flesh versus the spirit. And every day we've got to come to a point where we submit our desires to the desires of God. And we, we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And we say, Holy Spirit, lead us, control us. I, I want you to fill me and lead me so that we can live the way Jesus wants us to live. But if we don't, we find ourselves doing things through strife or vainglory. And uh, he's pointing out we are selfish, and God does not want us to do that. That's our natural self. We're born with a sinful nature that makes us want to put ourselves first. Uh, And the truth is we live in a culture that tells you you're most important. Um, uh, when I was a teenager, I remember them, my, my youth pastor preaching against Disney. And I'm not, not going to rail on Disney or anything like that. Uh, I could, but I'm not going to. But uh, he talked because there were these subtle messages that all the princesses were teaching us to follow our hearts, right? Follow your heart. Um, that thing when I was a teenager has now grown, that whole message. And it is the message everywhere. What is your truth? Now we are taught that even truth itself is centered around what we desire it to be. We don't get to exist in reality where there is truth. You know, the sky is blue. You know, two plus two equals four. Does it really? You know, you could question anything simply because you don't agree. And um, that's a mindset that is not the mindset of Christ. It's not about us. And we have to realize the problem is that we have a selfish mindset, not a spiritual mindset. And followers of Jesus are called... Tammy, it is not about you and your phone call. I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, Followers of Jesus... Put him on speaker. I'll talk to him. Um... This is great. You guys are great. Uh, we are called to follow Jesus' example. You all know that? Uh, I think you know that's obvious, but we, we often forget this. So here's point number two. Number one was we are selfish people. Number two is Jesus has a better, better way. Jesus has a better way. Verse number three, let, no, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each, each person, esteem other better than themselves. This is the act of considering the needs of others, the, the, the problems of others, the concerns of others. We intentionally elevate their needs above our own, their things above ours. The Bible continues to say, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. See, the, the, uh, it goes in in verse number four, uh, sorry, five, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This, this mindset of considering others before yourself is a Jesus mindset. And this is the mindset we should have So the question, if we were to reflect on any question tonight, is simply this. Are we focused on our own things? Or are we focused on the things of others? Uh, Are are the activities of our life, the efforts of our life, the things we spend our time on, 
all of our thoughts on, our energies, is it focused on me, me and me? Or is, is, do we include others in there somewhere, you know? And over ourselves. We need to ask that question. When it comes to your problems or the problems of somebody in your family or in your church, what comes first in your mind? Whose needs get met first? Who gets your time first? See, the, the passage is so countercultural. Let's continue in uh, verse number four. Look not every man, oh, I'm sorry, verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's look at his example, his better way. He says, Who, Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The idea is that Jesus is, uh, he is deity. He is God the Son. We've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, in his, he knew there is nothing wrong with him knowing his position of who he is. He knows who he is. He knows he is God. But, in verse 7, he decides this. He made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation. Here's, uh, here's your next blank here. Um, don't worry about your position. Don't worry about your position. See, Jesus knew exactly who he was. I don't, I don't think he would ever have any questions. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's not like wondering what his title or place in rank or whatever. He's, he knows. See, in Matthew at the end, he says, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. He knows who he is. But he says, I know who I am, but I will make myself of no reputation. I, I'm going to set aside my position, what, what I could claim is my right uh, to have, and I'm going to do something different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not worry about my position. He, he set an example for us that there are no big shots. This is something that comes up frequently uh, in, our, in our staff meetings. We try and teach it in our leadership meetings. And it's the idea, we're just all human people. We're, we're just all human people. We, we may have different roles or titles or whatever. Um, but Jesus teaches that we should all have the same mindset. Uh, it's about others. We're all here to serve. We're all servants. We're all here to, to set aside what we could claim as our own and, and instead follow Jesus. And he esteems others better than himself. Uh, your, your first blank there, don't worry about your position. Uh, he says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. The form of a servant. You say, how can I be like Jesus? It's simple. Care about others and serve them. Learn to be a servant. Learn to be a servant. That's your next blank. Learn to be a servant. Uh, could somebody tell me, what do servants do? Serve. Obey their master. Yeah. Oh, that's a good answer. Man, front row, you got great answers today. Man, yeah. Helping, Helping others. Servants help others. Uh, when I think of servants and I, I think of like, ha, ah, you know, if you say that, that person's a servant, what are they, are they normally doing like uh, the clean jobs that everybody's watching and kind of gets the glory? They're behind the scenes a lot of times, yeah. Like servants are the ones doing the, 
They're doing the things nobody else wants yeah, to do. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And uh, you, you think, I, I really uh, believe that the great example of this here is when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. That's the, the, one of the best examples that he would be willing to do something dirty, that he would be willing. I mean, you talk about setting aside position to go all the way to the bottom, right? But what he says is, that's what makes you the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, the greatest servant, the least of these, exactly, doing these things. So, so we, we don't worry about our position. We learn to be servants. Servants, uh, we, we do something for others that they cannot do for themselves. We do things without thought of return. Uh, the opposite of this would be that vain glory. Some people, and, and even we can do this sometimes uh, just in church, it's possible to take that role of a servant. Let's just say you're tearing down chairs, you're setting up tables, but maybe the motive's wrong. And the reason you're setting up chairs or doing the tables or running the vacuum is because you want someone to notice you and to give you an attaboy and a pat on the back. That would be vainglory. That would be the wrong motive. Doing something that may be perceived as servanthood, but for the wrong motive. So this way that Jesus is teaching us and Paul is talking to the church here, it's, it, it's not just on the outside. It's not just... Um, do low tasks, do things nobody wants to do. That's not what it's about. It's about do those things with the right motives and the right intention. We, learn, we uh, don't worry about our position. You learn to be a servant. Number three, uh, you humble yourself intentionally. He says, It took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Um, it's one thing to be humbled. It's another thing to humble yourself. Uh, there, there's a, a passage, and I, I don't even have it in my notes here, from Proverbs that talks about it's better that you basically be invited up uh, to, you know, this other table. You know, I think about it like Thanksgiving. You're either sitting at the adult table or the kid's table. You know, anyone sit at the kid's table? Uh, it's better that somebody would invite you up to the adult table as opposed to you um, sitting there, and then you're having to leave, right? Uh, the, the idea here that humbling yourself is that you intentionally decide, I am going to put others over self for various reasons, because Jesus says so, uh, because I'm following the Holy Spirit. And uh, Jesus, he made an intentional choice. Uh, he, he became a human, God in the flesh, you know, it's the incarnation. He became a human. The Bible says, and as he was found in fashion as a man, he's in human flesh, human form, he humbled himself. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Uh, to humble yourself means to bring yourself lower. This is opposite of any strategy in most workplaces that you would try to climb the corporate ladder. What can I do to get ahead of someone else? What can I do so that people see me better than the others? See, Christianity is the other way around. It's what can I do to esteem somebody else better than myself? What can I do to put someone else first? Uh, can I intentionally lower myself, intentionally humble myself to have that 
decision that I will value others over self. And, and then the, the last point here on, under this is to be obedient to God's leading over your own desires. In, uh, in Matthew 26, verse 39, the Bible says about Jesus, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And in Philippians 2, the Bible says he became obedient unto death. The idea is, and he even said, God, if there's another way, it's an interesting dynamic. I think that God was asking God, that God the Son, Jesus, was saying, if there is another way for these people to be saved, if there's another way for this to happen without me going through this crucifixion, without me bearing this sin on myself, if there's another way, let's take the other way. But he says, not, nevertheless, even so, whatever you choose, God, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And for us to be having this others over self mindset, we've got to be willing, no matter how strong our desires are in us, to be willing to say, God, I'm turning what I want to do over and I will do what you want to do. I will care for this person uh, when maybe I don't feel like it. I will do this thing for someone else and I'll, I'll stop paying attention to my needs so that I can meet their needs. And the idea is that we're all doing this. It's, it's something that it's, a, it's a, almost like a family trait, a family quality. We do this for each other. To ask the question, are we going to allow God's desire to rule over our desires? Uh, I will tell you, we did this study on a Tuesday night in, in, in the student center over here. I'm not going to tell you the specifics of the story, but we did this study, and, and it was very impactful for us. And I, I think it was. And we were, we were talking about this passage like, it's, it's so clear. Others over self. There's going to come a time that we're going to be tested in this, and, and our, we're going to have this, um, what happened for me, I had a, a busy schedule, you know, I, I, what I think is a busy schedule, you know, uh, you know, sometimes we're like, God, I have this to do, and I got this appointment, I'm, God, I'm going to get this done today. Well, he doesn't run on your schedule. We run on his schedule, right? And, uh, and, and we have this, I read this book one time, I'm just kind of uh, downloading on you a little bit for a second, so you can understand how God helped me with this, and maybe it'll help you. I read this book one time called Boundaries. Great book. Because uh, sometimes people, they don't have any boundaries, and they'll like manipulate you and run over you and, and really like destroy your life if you let them. So that was the goal intention of the book. But uh, I kind of read this book, Boundaries, saying let's set up healthy borders around, let's insulate my life from craziness, right? That's kind of the idea that I took away from this. Uh, I have a lot of family drama growing up. Um, it was really bad for them, and I don't want that in my family, Amen. which is a good thing. But what I went to on the other extreme uh, is that I don't have time for them. I won't allow them to interrupt my life or my day. And when I read this passage, it is not telling me that to live that way. It is telling me something different. It is telling me 
In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And so we, we did this study on a Tuesday night on the next day. I, I'm telling you, I had this beautiful schedule plan. I mean, is anything like make a to-do list? Yeah. I had a to-do list like nobody's business. I mean, I had a, I had a to-do list. I had everything, my whole day, uh, time blocked off. You just, like separate different sections for what you're going to do. Everyone with me? Tracking with me? So I had this day, and then I got a call from somebody. I'm going to tell you the situation, but they, they, they was urgent. And they said, can you please help me with something? It was urgent, need in their family. Can you come now? And it wasn't like, hey, can you like drop something off or can you pick something up from the store? That's like a no-brainer. Yeah, I can do that. No, no skin off my back, you know. This was like, can you take the next several hours of your life and energy and time, cancel your plans and come do what I have going on? That's what he was asking. I had this wrestling moment. I was like, do I even want to be a pastor? What should I do? What? And I was like, why? Wait a second. His situation, I went through this thoughts. I thought, this person, they should have got their stuff together. And if they would have had their stuff together, they wouldn't be bothering me. And it's their problem and not my problem. I thought that way. And then I was like, wait a second. We just had this study, <clears throat> and after our studies, we, uh, we uh, do this thing. We write I will statements. We always say, uh, based upon what we learned from the Scripture today, this is what I will do. And it was basically like, I will allow God uh, to lead me to put others over myself, something to that effect. And um, I was torn. Um, and not all of my stories that I have end up me doing the right thing, but in this circumstance, I, I even had to consult with some friends, okay? And I'd be like, just help me know, like, I'm doing the right thing, right? Uh, because, anyway, so I went and helped him. I went and, and I just said, whatever, forget it. God interrupt my schedule, others over self. And um, I had a little bit of a bad attitude about it at first. But I tell you what, that was really a turning point for me. It was... For them, it was so meaningful. Uh, there wasn't many people that, that helped them with what they needed. There was only a couple. And uh, I've had multiple messages since then. Thank you for helping. This meant so much. I got to pray with them, and it was like, I don't know even what was on my schedule now at that time of day, but it clearly wasn't as important as I thought it was. And uh, that is an example because each one of us is going to have a schedule tomorrow. Something you got going on, something you planned. Maybe your plan is simply, I'm getting off work, and I'm going to go home and eat some ice cream and watch Netflix. You know, uh, That sounds like a legitimate plan for some of us, right? That's a, that's a good one. Or Pure Flix, yeah. You know, that's the holier version. But uh, uh, on some movies, some of them are weird. But anyway... Um, that's another lesson. Uh, so we are going to be interrupted. And what if tomorrow on your way home, when you're ready to go, just crash. Somebody calls you for help. Last point on your uh, list here. Serving others brings joy. joy. Serving others brings joy. 
I, I will tell you that uh, there's no doubt about it, reading this passage and seeing Jesus' example, it is God's will for you to esteem others better than yourselves. It is, is clearly God's purpose, his design, his plan for you, all of us Christians, to not focus so much on our own things, but focus on the things of others. To actually consider what's going on in your life and how can I serve you. That's what he wants you to do. And on, I, I could not find, uh, maybe it exists somewhere, um, a verse that just says, serving others brings joy. But what I do know is that when you do what God is calling you to do, when you do what God has purposed you to do, that is where true joy and contentment comes from, from knowing that you are doing what you're created to do. When, when it comes, uh, that verse was Matthew 26, 39. Um, but when it comes to the end of our life, whenever that would come and we stand before God, what is the saying that we are all hoping he will tell us? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we really need to pause now and ask ourselves, are we serving others? Are we serving ourselves? Joy comes through having an inner confidence and a peace that we're doing what we're created to do. <clears throat> we were created, clearly, to follow Christ. And that means to make ourselves of no reputation. Forget, you, you may be big shot on the job, okay? You may be like the king of the castle in your home, but you're not too cool to serve. And neither am I. Amen. And no, no, neither should anybody else be. You, you are a follower of Christ, and that's what we do.